Welcome to the Tech Savvy Professor podcast, two faculty who love tech and love making it part of their work. I'm Marty Gensius from Kent State University. And I'm Eric Perry from Southern New Hampshire University. And today, I'm kind of throwing it to Eric today because we're jumping into his forest of online teaching and learning, and in particular, online interactive instruction. So, Eric, why don't you start us out? Yeah, I, I think there's two ways to look at this, right? We could talk about asynchronous and asynchronous interactivity, and those are two different things. So if we're talking asynchronous, those are things that students can do on their own without direct faculty instruction. And I want to talk about a couple of those tools uh, that I've worked with over the years that I think can be a, a lot of fun to develop in and can create some really unique experiences. The other side is the asynchronous part, the things that we can use during synchronous online instruction. So we have the students in with us in Zoom or Teams or uh, you know, how, whatever format you use to, to meet virtually. So I'll start with the asynchronous ones because I, I think they're probably the less known kind of elements. And when I say asynchronous, I'm talking about experiences that you could post um, that students could engage in that have choice-based options as a part of their learning. So you remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Yeah, you know, sure. Those, those, I mean, I I remember them for my kids. I don't remember them personally. (laughs) Well, the the idea of them, I guess. I got it. You take a particular action and it leads down a particular path for the story. And what these tools do is allow you to create uh, ways for students to engage with content and develop that choice-based learning. So... I'll give you an example. If we wanted to, let's say, have a a fictional client who um, our student was going to engage with, they could select, watch a brief video of the client, and then select a response. Based on that response, you would get a client reaction that would be different for each of those available options. And it can be complex or it can be simple, you know, one of two choices, but it allows them to play through these kind of different responses and what things might look like. And it sounds complicated to develop, but there are tools out there that make this much, much easier. I'll start with Captivate. It's the one I'm most familiar with. Uh, It's an Adobe product. Um, Oftentimes, your instructional designers or curriculum developers at your institution will have access to this, and you may be able to get it through uh, your university. Or if you work for a nonprofit, get nonprofit pricing. Uh, and it can help you develop these experiences with, you know, very limited technology. It works kind of like developing a PowerPoint. That's how the format is set up. But it also gives you the tools to allow for things to move and to change and based on the student's actions to move to a different part of that presentation. Some of that functionality is already built into PowerPoint. Right. This allows you to create a storyline, so to speak and to be able to manage those actions and interactions. So for lessons that are going to give them more than just a right or wrong answer that are going to allow them to see variation, it can be a really unique way for them to engage online. Yeah, I suppose, and I think I've seen this done with a really complicated PowerPoint, where you have a PowerPoint with a particular response, then you choose one of the responses and it takes you down one tree of PowerPoints with, you know, and you can embed video of 
the person responding to whatever you had just pr uh, primed them with. And then you can move back up the tree and look at different responses. It seems like a lot of um, manual connections. There's a lot of threads to be able to do. And it sounds like Captivate automates that in a way that makes it a lot easier and a lot more complex. So it's not linear up and down, but it can be linear and then across and things like that. Right. And it has tools to help you manage that. So there are a couple of different wizard functions that will help you walk through getting the basics down. There's a content library that helps you move things in and out easily. The storyboard function of it allows you to build that storyboard out. So you're not doing this in PowerPoint planning within PowerPoint. You're planning within Captivate that has the tools to support that. Then there's so many different options graphically that you can use to help make this look good at the same time. Now, its competitor, direct competitor, is Articulate. I haven't used it quite as uh, as often. I think it's Articulate 360 now is, is how it's kind of branded. And uh, it does a lot of the same things Captivate does. What I th I've heard that Articulate does better is the video end of things, um, more integration of video, more file formats. Now, something to keep in mind is where you're going to put this when it's all done. And we've talked about uh, learning management systems like Brightspace, Blackboard, those types of things. You want to make sure that the, that it will house whatever it is you create if you're planning to use that online. Because um, you want it to live in that space so that students can access it. Camtasia is another really cool tool that will do a lot of the same things. Again, almost shifting entirely into the video space as, as opposed to like a, a narrated PowerPoint has a lot of similar features. Like I said, I'm most familiar with Captivate. That's where I've done most of my work. And it's used a lot outside of education for training you know, developing training programs that exist online and even classroom experiences. I've used it, you know, to work with with a classroom and kind of put up, you know, projected and allowed the class to take different actions on that mm -hmm. Captivate presentation. Is, is Captivate, I'm, I'm searching right now as we're speaking and I'm having a difficult find, a difficult time finding is it, is it part of the Adobe Creative Cloud? It's not. It's a standalone. Uh. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, that's why it switched me to, do you want to download it? Right. So it's it's outside of Adobe, uh, of the creative cloud. It does integrate. It allows you to use the cloud as part mm -hmm. of it, but it's sold as a separate entity. It's considered like uh, one of their corporate level programs or something like that. Yeah. Because I, I mean, a lot of academics have access to the creative cloud for a, for a fee and mm. it gives you a whole bundle of stuff, but Captivate isn't in it. I'll have to take a look at it. Yeah, and I'm not even familiar with what the cost would be in a nonprofit rate right now. But I know if you already have, you get a discount for having Creative Cloud and if you're uh, at a nonprofit. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are some of the ones I want to talk about. Just in terms of that that asynchronous kind of experience that you could use, the synchronous one is different. So we have some other tools, and it was funny, Marty sent me, list of things that that he uses and um kind of without looking at it i i threw my own list up and had pretty much the same the same <laughs> tools listed so we could talk through some of those marty what, what are your top picks yeah i i will just uh, talk through a few of them you can you can add to the ones that i have or add to the ones that you have 
I've seen poll everywhere used a lot, which is the idea that if you're working with a class synchronously, you can put out a poll for them and you can get results, which leads to discussion. And it's an interesting way to get people who you're afraid maybe are not engaged back engaged. I've tried something, uh, and I, so poll, poll Everywhere is the app for that, and you can Google and find the location. It's pollev.com. Play around with it as a as a uh, online poll for your students while you're doing while you're doing uh, synchronous learning. You know, some of these tools I have taught to high school teachers and also to people who teach in elementary. And some of the tools, I think, uh, this is maybe just too kiddy for for uh, college students. I am always surprised by Kahoot. If you put together with Kahoot, you can put together an online sort of quiz, in the moment quiz. I've used it at the beginning of online classes with some questions in there to have the group take it to get a sense of who did the reading and who didn't. Um, who comprehended the reading and who didn't. But I'm always afraid just the presentation of it looks like it's set up for, you know, elementary age children. Students dig it. They really seem to enjoy it. So I'll mention those two. Quizlet is another one that, let alone as an app, if you go in there, there are lots of free Quizlet decks. It's basically a flashcard kind of uh, study guide. And people had put together decks of flashcards for all sorts of topics, but you can also put together your own. And I've used it to put together picture cards of new international teachers who are coming over for our grant. And then I send it out to all of them that are coming and they learn names and people and faces even before they get here. But there are other academic uses that you can use them for. So I'll I'll stop with those three and See if you have some comments or some new additions. Whole EV is a lot of fun. It can be a really useful tool, and it lets you use your mobile device to complete the yeah. poll. So it, it it can be separate and apart from whatever it is you're using. And there's a lot of really cool options to it. I don't care what anybody says. Everyone loves Kahoot, right? <laughs> it, the students enjoy it. You know, it's it it can be competitive because they you know they're answering yeah. the questions. I think it's a great way to get things started, to get conversations started. So even just four or five questions, like you said, Marty, but it can be a great study tool as well. And Quizlet, it's funny, I, I almost in, in near the same order. I love Quizlet for this. Uh, Quizlet, it's become common now for textbooks to have Quizlets as a oh. part of their supplemental materials. So it's something you want to look for. I'm using an AP Psych textbook. I volunteer as an instructor for an AP Psych class for high school here. And uh, they have Quizlets for every module within the textbook. The students use them to study and they correspond to the AP exam that they'll take in terms of the content that's important for them to learn. Um, So it's really neat to see them kind of put these together. And then I'll use the Quizlets in the classroom to do like some team games, some family feud style question and answer. So Quizlet's great and creating them is easy. Yeah. Minutes, you know, it can take minutes to copy and paste and throw things into a Quizlet. In addition to Poll EV, most softwares that allow for, uh, uh, you know, meetings like Zoom and Teams have poll functions. 
Now, what gets really weird about some of these is like in Teams, you need to create those polls ahead of time. You can't create them while you're in the meeting, so you have to prepare. Uh, so not as great for kind of spontaneous things. Yeah. Um, even if that functionality is allowed, it can be problematic. Um, so it's generally it's turned off and you need those polls loaded before you start the meeting. And Zoom has a whole bunch of apps that you can add in. Some of them, not the names that we've been saying, but some of them perform similar functions in terms of doing polls and, and doing quizzes and things like that. So look at the apps edition apps that you can connect um, in Zoom if you're teaching a class in Zoom? Yeah, go for third party. Teams won't allow you to integrate third party apps generally as a part of a university account. Uh, Zoom doesn't care. So there's there's plenty of things that you can use that will work with Zoom. I don't know if you wanted to cover the other ones, but I had Flipgrid and I didn't have Slack and I was surprised I didn't put Slack down. Well, why don't you talk about Flipgrid and then I will say I think Slack is grossly underutilized. Uh, but is is great. Yeah, I know your position on that one. So Flipgrid is is interesting. Um, I haven't used it in a while, um, but it works. I don't know, Mary. Would you describe it similarly to to Quizlet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, um, a little bit of a different setup, but really, really easy to use. And that's that's one that is a favorite of our uh, technology class for these international teachers. And they had to do tech projects uh, before they left. They just left a couple of days ago on this grant that I'm working on. And many of them just pulled from all of these different applications to kind of say, this is how I'm going to integrate them into my classroom to use them. So, you know, many of these have free options on them. And um, so their their plans were to actually integrate them into their teaching and learning. Slack for me, I think is just, it should be on everyone's desktop. And it it reminds me of the old intranet communication things like Lotus Notes, where if mm -hmm. you were working in a business and you wanted to, to send a note off to someone else who was working in the business, it was on the network, it was on the intranet of the of the company, and you could send messages back and forth. I think if you had a Slack group for your students, it would change the way in which we communicate. And you wouldn't be running so much through email, but you'd be running it through that system. Now, I think they only hold up to nine, uh, 90 days uh, or I don't know how, I think it's 90 days of backlogged material for free accounts. And if you get into the expense, you get into the paid accounts, you're paying per member and it gets pretty expensive and it has all sorts of high-end tools that you you don't need, but just to have it as a way to share information, to put documents out uh, as attachments to your group. Um, I think Slack is pretty cool. And the interesting thing is our, our our students don't, well, our students know it. Our faculty mm -hmm. don't. And a lot of these, it's <laughs> like, they're like, oh, you're going to do Kahoot. Yeah, I know Kahoot. Well, Kahoot doesn't have a big learning curve for them. Slack probably has more of a learning curve. But with Kahoot, it's like, yeah, they they know it, know it probably because they got somebody in undergraduate or even in high school to use it. And they're more familiar with the tool than we are. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and we've used Slack a couple of times. And I do enjoy it. I, I think sometimes the barrier then is that, you know, if you want to carry things over, you do have to start paying, you know, for it to go beyond that. There's one other one that I wanted to mention, and that's Prezi. 
almost everybody knows about Prezi uh, and it can make some pretty neat stuff. But I did have someone say uh, the other day that they weren't using Prezi because it's played out. I don't know if that's actually a thing. Um, played but out? I think it can be played out, right? Everybody did Prezi. They burn out on it. Um, so now they've returned to the staple PowerPoint. <laughs> now, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I got I went through my five minutes of I love Prezi until I realized how do I turn this into notes for students because of the dynamic of the things flying around. And most of the Prezi was just, most of the Prezi's I've seen are just in and out moving so-and-so. There's one that I saw that was really cool that actually used the concept of what you could do with it, the dimensionality of it. And it was the size of a, of a, uh, of a gene, the size of a cell, and you would click on it and it would expand out to different items to give you the relative size in, in proportion of the objects. And you felt like using the microscope going in and coming out that's neat. and use that platform well. Mm -hmm. um, I have students who have, you know, different styles of learning and that's where Prezi's been a problem for me because I can't take the notes off and say, here's your study guide uh, or here's something that you can study from. That might have changed. I haven't seen it change, but that's my that is that quickly stopped me from using Prezi because then I couldn't give materials to students that they could use right. to study. Right. I think one of the things that it was helpful for um, that I've used it for in the past was to to get them to focus, you're just focusing on that one point of information, right? Yeah. So you're focusing on one thing at a time. It, it keeps things from getting too cluttered. Um, that can happen sometimes on a PowerPoint slide. So I think if you use Prezi properly, it at least it will it will allow you to pinpoint and really focus in on that one content area that you want them to. But the notes, fun there wasn't a notes function that I'm aware of. I'd have yeah. to look now, but. And, you know, you can make mistakes on any platform. So, you know, don't say Prezi. I mean, I, my argument would say, well, you you should be doing better PowerPoints, than, right. you know, than <laughs> saying, oh, I'll solve this problem by going to Prezi, because I think it creates a whole other series of, of problems. I think if you're doing a marketing thing and you're doing an introductory to, here we go, folks, this is why you should buy our product. From a business standpoint, it adds a little bit more excitement than a PowerPoint if you're going to do that platform. Mm -hmm. um, but from a learning standpoint, I mean, I always... Mm -hmm. Historically, there was a lot of brouhaha about um, smart boards. And I, and, I, and I challenged somebody and said, so how does this improve learning? And they had a hard time coming up with any reasoning or any research to support that. So I said, it's well, this neat. is just a fun toy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I have the, I placed the same, I placed the same condition on Prezi. How does this improve learning over the tools that we already have? So. So is that, I think we can close out on this. We'll probably return this, return to this again sometime, bring okay. this up in a couple of months and see what, what else we can talk about and look back at what we, we've had a conversation with, with this. So how can you get involved? Maybe you've got a tech question. Maybe you're trying to figure out how to do something with technology, or you have an idea to share. Email us at the pod talk network at gmail.com or call and leave a message at 330 one two four zero and we'll play your question in a podcast and try to get an answer for you our bumper music is from philip gross rast from the free music archive 
That's it for today's show. Thanks for subscribing to the Tech Savvy Professor podcast. Everything you need to know is at techsavvyprofessor.net. You can find us by searching Apple Podcasts for The Tech Savvy Professor. Look for us on Spotify, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. Look for our other shows like Circular Firing Squad on the podtalk.net. Thanks for listening to The Tech Savvy Professor. Professor.